When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Hey Mary Kay on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Doug Lamarice along with Mary Kay Cabot answering all the questions from our Browns insiders. Actually, not answering all of them because there's so many good ones. I, I went through all of them and tried to pick out the most representative, Mary Kay, because people do have a lot of questions. There's a lot of Baker Mayfield that we're going to get to. There's Kevin Stefanski that we're going to get to. But I wanted to start with one that I thought was kind of outside the box thinking I like it. It's Todd from, uh, excuse me, Tom from Middlebury, Connecticut. Hey, Mary Kay, the excuses are running out for the offense. Is it time to put Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb on the field together? There is no reason to keep both fresh for the fourth quarter when there are no points being scored. What do you think, Mary Kay? You know, I've always thought that Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt should appear on the field together at times. I mean, why not try that? I think that would be uh, overwhelming for a defense to to have to try to defend that, especially not knowing whether Kareem Hunt is going to run the ball or catch the ball or whatever the case may be. So I would definitely try that. And I don't know why they never really have done that. Uh, Each year that they've been together, I've expected them uh, to try it and it just doesn't come to fruition. Now, maybe it would have this year had Kareem Hunt not been injured and missed five games with his calf injury. Uh, But I think it's definitely something that they should do even in these final five games. They are both more effective when the other is there and they can go back and forth and there's always somebody in the backfield and they're resting each other. But I think to the texter's point, Mary Kay, it's like, well, I don't know. I mean, you scored, you can barely score 10 points a game. Like, I don't know, try something new. I think it's a very interesting, as we're looking for wrinkles, it's an interesting suggestion. Let's stay with the run game a little bit from the 4-4-0. It's Chris from Jefferson. Hey, Mary Kay. How much of the offensive woes can you contribute to stump Mitchell being out and not having input into the game plan? Seems as though game plans have gotten worse after he was out. So help us with some context there, Mary Kay, of, of stump Mitchell and how much he may or may not have been missed. Well, you know, I'm going to say that I, I don't think that Stump Mitchell being gone is the reason they've averaged 10 points a game over the last three games and why they have scored 17 points or fewer in seven of their last nine and 14 or fewer in six of their last nine. I'm not going to attribute that to Stump being out because they actually have run the ball twice in back-to-back games. Nick Chubb rushed for 137 and 130 yards in, uh, in back-to-back games. So I don't think it's really that, uh, but I do think that it is a combination of things. I don't think it's just as simple as saying Baker's not playing well or, uh, you know, or Jack Conklin's out now or Jarvis was injured. I think it's a systemic offensive problem uh, that just kind of runs through the whole operation. 
Another specific player question from Roman in Cleveland from the 216. Hey, Mary Kay, what is going on with Rashard Higgins? We can't get away from this guy. A healthy scratch at a time when they need receivers. Mary Kay, what's going on? Well, you know, he just wasn't not performing up to their standards and they have not really been happy lately with what they've been getting from him. And so I think it is a little bit more than just that, you know, Jamarcus Bradley's out there and plays some special teams. I think it was a little bit deeper than that. Uh, I just don't think that uh, they felt he was effective and his catch rate has been horrible. He's been targeted, I think. Before he was inactive this game, he was targeted 10 times in like the previous five or six games and caught maybe three or four passes. So uh, it just it just wasn't working out for whatever reason. And I think they're a little bit perplexed by it as well. Uh, But if they don't uh, see a little bit more from him, he's not going to be back. So he, he really needs to show something, especially on the practice field, in order to be able to get out there and play. This is my follow-up. Could you envision him still helping this team at some point this season, or do you think the trains left the station? I think he can still help the team. I mean, when you're only scoring 10 points and one of your uh, sort of reliable receivers is, is inactive, I do think that there's probably a world in which he can help in some way. I don't know what it is. It, it's bizarre. I mean, the fact that Richard isn't, uh, isn't contributing or producing – leads me to believe that it is a little bit more Baker than some people are willing to admit. Cause if, if Baker and Richard are off, then the world is off. It's an interesting way to look at it. Cause we've written about when they're good together so much from the six, one, four, do you feel the excessive amount? Hey, Mary Kay, do you feel the excessive amount of time wasted on the Odell Beckham jr. Experiment created missed opportunities by not getting rid of him sooner that this is not a like, Hey, should I still still be here? Did it stall the offense? Did they spin their wheels while trying to make Odell work where, what if they would have moved on from him, for instance, in the off season, Mary Kay? Well, here was the problem with that. I think they would have been happy to move on from him in the off season, but there were no takers in the off season. No one was willing to trade for a player coming off of a torn ACL who had a $15 million cap hit this season. I know that they would have been happy to move him in the offseason if they could have. And had they been able to do that, they would have allocated those resources elsewhere, probably uh, to other receivers or at least another really good receiver somehow, some way. Maybe they would have drafted one. Uh, maybe would have, they would have tried to sign one in free agency. But they were kind of locked in to him and to Jarvis this year, and they had to roll with it. In hindsight, would they have better been better off just cutting him and taking the cap hit? Like, is that it, would nothing have been better than again, sort of spinning your wheels in something that never really worked? And would the offense be further along now because they would have developed a plan that did not include OBJ? You know, I think everyone really believed, and and I include myself in this, I think everyone really believed that it was going to be better this year and that in this Kevin Stefanski offense that they would have flourished together. I don't think anybody envisioned that it was going to be what it was. And, uh, And I think that was one of the greatest disappointments of the season. And it's still hard to believe. But now that we're seeing that it's sort of not really working all that well with anybody, I don't think it was just a... Baker Odell problem as much as it was a 
something else problem. Like I said, just a little bit more systemic or insidious or something. It's, uh, it's broken and we're not exactly sure why. And, uh, and I don't know if we will 100% know the answer this season. No, I agree with that. I thought it was worth taking a shot, right? If you're not going to really get anything for the guy, why not take a shot and see if it works. And then obviously it didn't. Okay. We want to dig into more specific Kevin Stefanski questions, and we'll do that next on Hey, Mary Kay. All right. Rick and mentor starting us off. Hey, Mary Kay. Will Kevin Stefanski and his coaches take some days off this bye week to truly get away from Brown's work and re-enter with fresh eyes and fresh dialogue, or are they just beginning to be doing football the whole time? You know what? We didn't really pin that down uh, today very well to find out if the coaches are going to take a few days off. I think they probably will get uh, some days off, maybe get the weekend off or take, you know, take Saturday or Sunday off or something like that. They should, they need to, this has been a stressful season on everyone. I mean, I, th- I think the, you know, just everything, the injuries, the Odell Beckham Jr. Saga, even things like, you know, miles kind of, calling out, uh, you know, Joe Woods a little bit for the sideline adjustments, uh, you name it. Some of these really tough injuries, I mean, tough losses that they've had in games they felt they should have won. I think the coaches need to recharge their batteries as well. So I hope that they do that. I hope Kevin recognizes that they need to do that because you can do that and still break this thing down and, uh, and, and, you know, dig in there and figure out what you need to figure out and, uh, and get it all done and still also take three days off. You don't always get better at your job by working more. Sometimes you get better at your job by clearing your head for a little bit. I'm not a very good writer, but I'm a better writer after vacation because I'm energized. It's like, Hey, let's go. So it's like, you know, Kevin, I'd say go to Disney world for three days, mm-hmm. right? Go to star Wars land, right? Maybe go over to that new, av- you know, avatar ride and, Animal Kingdom's really good. I could give, if Kevin, if you're listening, I got an itinerary for you. Three-day Disney trip will work magic for you, my suggestion. This is Chris in Chicago. Hey, Mary Kay, can the offense be fixed, in quotes, enough over the bye week for these guys to make a push for the playoffs? Or do these guys seem like they have kind of packed it in for the year and there isn't much hope of getting guys on the same page? And I think the, the fixing the offense, Mary Kay, is the most interesting part of that question can you really do that in a bye week well I don't think it's going to be easy especially in a week when you have just lost Jack Conklin for the rest of this season I think that hurts a lot even when we look at Lamar Jackson I think he's also struggling to a certain degree because he has tackle issues this season Alejandro Villanueva you know is not Ronnie Stanley I mean, when you lose an all-pro tackle, that hurts. That hurts a lot. Blake Hance is nowhere near as good as Jack Conklin. It forces you to change the way that you call the game, and it just has a trickle-down effect on a lot of things. Uh, So I don't know. uh, They're going to have to – it's all going to have to come schematically. There's not much more they can do from a personnel standpoint. They can't. We already know that he's not changing the quarterback, right? And we already know that he did not take you up on your suggestion, your great suggestion today, Doug, uh, to turn the play calling over to Alex Van Pelt. We talked to him about that today. We kind of grilled him a little bit, asked a few follow-up questions. Not happening. So basically, they're going to go with what they have. 
And it's just a matter of drawing it up differently. And I still feel like there are enough good players on this team and still enough good offensive linemen that you should be able to move the ball and score the football, which of course is the most important thing in trying to win a football game. You've got to score the football and they're not doing that nearly enough. So there's, there's gotta be a way. I think more Kareem hunt in the passing game would help. I don't think he was targeted uh, much at all. He was targeted one time in the passing game yesterday because he was basically coming off of a calf injury, probably maybe shouldn't have really played in that game. Um, but I think they felt like it was a big enough game to throw him out there and see if they could get something out of him. But he should be a little bit more healed up. So I think that will help. Maybe Donovan Peoples-Jones being a little bit more healed up from his groin injury will help. A few week, more weeks out from Jarvis's, Landry knee, Jarvis's knee injury, Baker's myriad injuries. Uh, I think that will help because, you know, nobody's coming in on a white horse to save this offense. They have to figure out how to make it work with what they have. This is 30 different questions that I'm squeezing into one question. So as Hey, Mary Kay from a bunch of Browns insiders who want to know this, why won't Kevin Stefanski give Alex Van Pelt a chance to call plays? And do you think he should? I, as you said, I wrote for Monday morning that I thought he should. And I, I there were at least, one or two people who use the word stubborn Mary Kay in asking that question. Why, why won't he do it? And do you think it's a mistake if he does that? He's not going to let Alex Van Pelt do it. Well, one of the reasons why I asked him, I, I said today, look, it's going so bad. I mean, do you feel like you want to take the responsibility for trying to, you know, dig out of this tailspin that you're in or you know, do you kind of know that, you know, you're in a situation right now for whatever reason, things that, you know, can't be said necessarily out loud that, you know, the buck should stop at your desk instead of like dumping that on to Alex Van Pell. I mean, if your quarterback just is so off this season that he's not going to necessarily get right, you know, maybe you don't want, want to put that on Alex Van Pell. Also, I don't necessarily think it's easily reversible if you give it up you know, is that it? Are you done? Are you done one and a half years into your play calling career? It's over. I mean, Andy Reid, look at Andy Reid. He calls plays all, after all these years and other good coaches do as well. And I just don't think that Kevin's ready to be done with it yet. For one, I also think there is something to be said for uh, when it's not going right. Maybe, and you think you know why, but you can't say why. Maybe that is not the time to make somebody else sort of the scapegoat type of person. Um, and then I think they do have enough of a collab going on that I think he feels like it's probably not necessarily going to make that much of a difference who actually speaks the play, like who says it in the moment, because, you know, I think they do enough of, you know, they script it together, they game plan it together. And then they, you know, they have, a couple of guys, three, four guys in the headset and they kind of work on it together. So I don't think he feels like it's going to make some cataclysmic difference. Let's go to a question from the 202 big picture. Hey, Mary Kay, can Cleveland fans come to accept this is a good team having an off year or will they keep insisting that the quarterback or the head coach needs to go? It's a very thought provoking question. 
Yeah, it really, really is. And, you know, when I look at this, uh, you know, sometimes I think that if they're going to commit to Baker and move forward with him, that maybe they all need to sit down and put their heads together and figure out if Kevin Stefanski is the right person to call the plays for this particular quarterback, that I don't think it's necessarily something that you can easily do right now in a bye week to save this season, but it probably is something that you could look at in the off season and say, all right, we're going to try, you know, to, to see if we can go forward uh, and, and get back to the playoffs or get to the playoffs again with, with Baker Mayfield at the helm, but we are going to need to try something different in terms of play calling. I mean, do you, you know, go with somebody that's not even on the roster. I mean, on the, in the lineup right now, you know, I mean, I've, I've thought of all these kinds of things. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know, but I do think that there is a disconnect between those two. I think there's a disconnect between how Kevin is calling the game and how Baker would want the game called and how they work together. And I think that's one of the things that nobody can say, nobody will say, but it's just something underneath the surface that I sense is going on. The hard part sort of in that question is the assumption that it is a good team. It's like, can you accept the fact that they're a good team having a bad year? And it's like, well, are they a good team? Like that's the, just because they made the playoffs and won one playoff game last year, like they had a good half a season. I thought they were good. That I think it's kind of a leap to assume that. So I think the idea of like, hey, you know what? This happens all the time to good teams. You have a bad year. It's like, I, I just don't think the premise of that question is 100% true, right? That's which is the whole thing. It's like, what are they really? And it turns out they're still in the process of figuring that out, maybe much more than most of us and most people listening to this thought coming into this year. All right, Mary Kay, we need you to provide hope here for some people. This is from John Stoner in York, Pennsylvania. Hey, Mary Kay, I am a long-term Browns fan, dating back to having season tickets and watching the Browns at Old Municipal Stadium with my father. I am more discouraged now than I have ever been in my life. I do not think that we need to get back on the coaching revolving carousel as in the past. However, something drastic needs to be done. Could it be as simple as having Stefanski not calling plays or something more involved than that? Please give me your thoughts and give me hope. So there's two parts of this, Mary Kay. One is find the hope. Give John one piece of hope that he can hang on to coming out of this buy. And the other thing is I find it very interesting, the idea of for fans who had two decades of being sort of beaten down by the failures of this franchise, that this might almost be worse because they were good last year and you thought something was building and now they're not before. If it was like, if you had years where it's like, Oh, they're probably going to stink and they stink. At least you're not surprised by it. You're sad, but you're not surprised and sad. Now you might be surprised and sad. So hope. And then a therapy session for Browns fans dealing with this Mary Kay. Well, the hope is uh, I think there are a lot of really good building blocks and pieces on this team. So I don't think they are, far away from fixing it. When you see young guys like JOK making plays like he's playing, playing, making, and you see other guys in the secondary, you know, Greg Newsome, uh, you know, John Johnson three is really starting to come around. Grant Delpit's getting better. Miles Garrett is good. Um, I, I think you see a lot of good pieces. Wyatt Teller still Joel Batonio, Jack Conklin when he's healthy. So, 
the two running backs. I mean, there are a lot of really good pieces on this football team, uh, which of course then brings us to the question, is it as simple as saying, is it, is it the quarterback? And I think it's a valid question to ask. I think it's worth asking and wondering about. I don't know the answer. And it's hard to get an evaluation on that this season because he has been injured and because there has been a lack of continuity around him. Having said that, when I look at a guy like Lamar Jackson, he's talented enough to overcome the loss of Ronnie Stanley and the loss of J.K. Dobbins and the loss of Gus Edwards and the loss of Marcus Peters, right? I mean, because he can come up with some magical plays. He can come up with some magical plays when he needs them. The play, uh, the touchdown pass uh, to, to Mark Andrews, where you know he he backpedaled and eluded Miles Garrett, and Miles got a piece of his arm, and he still gets a great pass off. Okay, he comes back in the fourth quarter, and he wins games for you. That's the thing that Baker does not do. Okay, Baker, and I've been writing this since week one against Kansas City, and I had gone back and looked over uh, in his whole entire career, all the opportunities he had to come back and be a gamer and rise to the occasion in the fourth quarter and pull out a game where you know he's going to do it. You always think Lamar's going to do it, don't you? You have this feeling like, oh, he can work magic. He's going to put on the cape and he's going to do it. You feel that way about Patrick Mahomes. You feel that way about Tom Brady. But I think that Browns fans are starting to lose that kind of confidence and feeling that Baker is that gamer that can come that can go in there and that pull out that game. I mean, even when you have one 10 left and no timeouts left, there are quarterbacks that, that you think he's got this right. But you didn't have that feeling yesterday. Did you necessarily, did you have that feeling that they were going to oh, do it? God, no. Right. Okay. But you should. You should have that feeling. If you take a quarterback number one overall, you should have the feeling that against all odds, when it looks impossible, that you can make magic happen. And that's the thing that has been missing. Okay. But it's a very, very difficult evaluation right now because we don't know for sure if he has that magic in him. And for whatever reason, that that magic isn't happening this season or if defenses have caught up to him and they've said, look, this guy is really good on the keepers. But when you kind of keep him in the pocket, he doesn't see the field as well. He doesn't hit his guys as well when he's not out there. Um, I think defenses are playing him a little bit differently this year. I think that's hurt. Um, But he just hasn't shown that he can be the reason that you win a bunch of games. And I think you need that. I think you need that in today's NFL. And we're seeing such great quarterback play. I think there's such a nice renaissance in quarterback play in the NFL. And I mean, look at Mac Jones, look at Mac Jones, what he was able to come in. And even Mike Tomlin, when he was talking about uh, losing to the Bengals he, and, and, you know, he was asked, what's the difference? He's like, they're quarterback. I mean, their quarterback they have a quarterback now and I don't know that the Browns have the answer to that question right at this very moment and they have to figure it out because they need to determine if they want to come back next year and run it back do they want to run it back or do they want to start over I don't think I know I know I don't know the answer to that question yet and I don't know if they know it either 
That was technically not a Baker Mayfield question, but you couldn't help yourself, Mary Kay. I got nine <laughs> Baker Mayfield questions that I've been saving for you. We'll do a whole final big, but I mean, frankly, at this point, Mary Kay, every question about the Browns, the answer is Baker Mayfield related one way or the other. It's like, you can't right. avoid it. It's like, what do you think of swagger? And it's like, well, I like swagger when <laughs> Baker Mayfield plays well. And then sometimes I get mad at swagger when Baker Mayfield throws interceptions. We'll right. do a bunch of Baker Mayfield questions next on Hey, Mary Kay. All right, Mary Kay, Dave in Dayton has a question that I don't know that I noticed this or heard this, but I'm oblivious. Maybe you have a read on this. Hey, Mary Kay, at what point? No, actually, this is a different question. Uh, let, let, me, let me ask the right one, because okay. this is what I mean. Hey, Mary Kay, it's from Drew in Garden Valley, Idaho. Hey, Mary Kay, many casual observers and sports media reporters noticed a change in demeanor with Baker last night. He seemed uninspired and almost as if he didn't want to be there. What is the story behind this? And when will Baker and Stefanski be held accountable? So uninspired, didn't want to be there. I actually have no idea what this reference is and who's talking about this, but maybe you have a handle on this, Mary Kay. You know, I did not sense that. I mean, I, I even watched him from, I watched like every minute of him even in pregame warmups and he looked really locked in he looked ready to go uh he looked like he was fired up for this game and that he had the energy and the juice and i thought he was going to be really into it but you know when it starts out i think he is losing a little confidence in himself this season and he's admitted that that's happened to him before i mean these guys are human and that, you know, in the Freddie Kitchens year, he talked about how he did get down on himself and he lost a little confidence in himself. I sense that's happening to him again this year because I feel like he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders. I feel like he doesn't feel like Kevin Stefanski's necessarily putting him in the best position to succeed. I think he worries that his receiving core, you know, like he looks out there and he doesn't always trust that, uh, that somebody's going to want win the one-on-one -on -one matchups like they did in the past. Um, and so I sense that when it goes bad early on, like it did on that first drive and a couple of bad things happen, you know, somebody gets a pass knocked out of their hands or they drop a pass or, or there's a penalty or whatever, the doubts creep in when he fumbled that ball in that game, he, he had impending doom before the guy even got there. Like he lost that ball and heard those footsteps before the, the defender even arrived. And I think that that Baker is suffering from a little bit of a lack of, you know, just, he doesn't have the moxie. He doesn't have the confidence. He's just, he's just not playing. He's not in the zone and he's having a hard time getting in the zone because nothing's going right. So here are two questions that I do want to pair. It's the one that I grabbed before by accident, because it is the opposite sides of is Baker not taking enough blame or is Baker taking too much blame? So Dave from Dayton says, hey, Mary Kay, at what point can we hold Baker accountable? There was always a reason we give him a pass. OBJ, he's injured. He doesn't have weapons. When will we blame him for eight and nine man boxes that we can't pass against, especially against the worst pass defense in the league? On the other side of this, Mary Kay, it's Scott in Los Angeles from the 818. Hey, Mary Kay, I feel that Mayfield was much more accurate yesterday than last week. Many passes seem to have been dropped or the rush was basically on top of him and he had to get rid of it fast or take a sack. 
It also appeared that his receivers were not getting separation against the worst pass defense in the league. I think he's shouldering more of the plane than he should for this game. Do you agree or disagree? It is fascinating, Mary Kay. How Browns, dedicated, loyal, smart Browns fans, Browns insiders, you don't pay for the Browns insider if you're a casual Browns fan. This is a team that you're invested in, and you can watch the exact same game and come away with opposite ideas about how much Baker Mayfield should be blamed for this. Where's the right answer, Mary Kay? You know, I think there is something to be said for for the latter. Uh, I I do think there's something to be said for the fact that he did play a little bit better than we've seen him play in the previous weeks. And uh, even though he was off on some of his throws, like still a little bit like, where were you going with that? Um, On one of them, like on the last drive, I've come to find out that, um, you know, the, the one to Jarvis on, on the final drive, uh, that the ball was on the money and Jarvis wasn't where he was supposed to be. Okay. So there are certain things that we don't know how they're going. Um, so I think he actually showed a little more promise in that game than he had in the previous two weeks. And he could have gotten a little bit more help, but I just wonder Doug, and I think this is a key issue. I just wonder how catchable of a ball he is throwing. Mm. Okay. Um, now I saw a statistic today. Oh, it was Mac Jones. It was about Mac Jones. Chris Collinsworth tweeted it out. And apparently he's thrown like 85% of his passes have been catchable balls. And I, I noticed that in the game, in the game against the Browns. I mean, he has beautiful touch on the ball, especially in the red zone when you need to change up your speed and you need to, uh, you need to take a little bit off of it or whatever you need to do. He can do it. He has a wonderful touch for doing that. Baker does not have that skill. Okay. He's always been very confident in his strong arm, but there's more to being a good passer of the football, obviously, than having a strong arm. And I think, I don't know if you can learn it. You probably can but he needs to improve his changeup and his touch because I think he does get too many passes dropped. Like, I don't know if it's coming in like a wrecking ball all the time, or I don't know. Sometimes he does get a little too amped up and he sails it. Um, so there's, there's something going on with the way he is throwing the football. And I don't know if it's always uh, just, the way the guys would necessarily need it. There is a hard part of this. I think the person saying like, there's always an excuse. It does feel like there's always an excuse with Baker, Mm -hmm. but it also might be a reason, right? That sometimes, I mean, reason is valid. And the fact that they brought him a number one receiver and it just never worked. And I do think Baker has some responsibility for that. Freddie Kitchens and Kevin Stefanski have some responsibility for that. And Odell Beckham has some responsibility for that. There's all plenty to go around. But it didn't work, right? And so you look like, well, what if he had Keenan Allen and Mike Williams like Justin Herbert does? Or what if he had Jamar Chase that like Joe Burrow was pretty good as a rookie, but look what he's doing now that he has Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. And you just like, what if Baker got a guy? like that, right? That there, it wasn't really about the personality. It wasn't about what he'd done before. It's somebody who maybe is drafted by the franchise and grows with the quarterback. 
I don't think that's only an excuse, Mary Kay. I think that's a thing that you would wonder about. But also, it's year four. It's year four. It's not a rookie at some point. Like, what, what, the idea that we're talking about, well, maybe he can learn something. It's like, what are you? It's fourth year in the league. At some point, you have to stop learning and stop doing. So, I honestly, I, I've made said things before on podcasts. Like, it almost it gives you a knot in your stomach trying to figure this out because I don't think there's any right answer. But Mary Kay, it is a very convoluted, complicated evaluation to make. And the Browns, we just have to talk about it. Fans have to wonder about it. Fans have to live with whatever the Browns decide. But Andrew Barry has to figure this out. And Mm -hmm. as you've said a million times, it is very complicated. Yes. Now, the good thing about Andrew Barry and making this decision, he's not going to have to make it in a vacuum. He doesn't have to make it completely by himself. He does have some good personnel consultants uh, that can help him make this decision and some good coaches. And maybe he even needs to get some outside eyes on the situation as well. Um, but they, I mean, they actually really do, I think, have to figure out if he's going to be their starting quarterback on opening day in September of 2022. And, you know, I think a case can be made that maybe they want to go in another direction. I think a case can be made that Baker Mayfield might not want to be uh, in, in this system or in this scheme or in with this team anymore either, if it continues to go like it's going. It's been let's, hard here on him too. Let's ask this question that I think is interesting from Daniel in Moreland Hills, Ohio. Hey, Mary Kay, this hurts to ask. In his four seasons, have we now seen Baker Mayfield's floor and ceiling? I think we've definitely seen the floor, right? His struggles in the first half of last year and his struggles while battling through injury for this year, to me, are the floor. Have we seen the ceiling, Mary Kay? You know, we may have. You know, that it's really, really hard to say because here's the thing uh, that I I keep coming back to. Uh, The supporting cast has been pretty good, right? I mean, not many people have that good of an offensive line. Although uh, uh, a bit challenged this year. I mean, Jed Wills has not, in my opinion, been himself. I don't even think that's just my opinion. I mean, Jed Wills has had a little bit of a rough season coming off of that ankle injury. And now you've got Blake Hans. And I think that that has been a problem. But, um, you know, the defense is good enough. The supporting cast is good enough. The running game. I mean, there's enough around him. They really tried to give him every opportunity to succeed and it's not happening. And as I said before, with a Lamar Jackson, especially in today's quarterback climate, um, these guys are playmakers in and of themselves, the running quarterbacks. And, you know, if if they're not running quarterbacks, then they have something very special that they do with their arm. Like, like we talked about with Mac Jones. Baker doesn't necessarily have that defining quality right now that says he can hang his hat on this. Now, last year, I would have said that it was the bootlegs and the keepers uh, that, you know, that he could just roll out there and, and throw on the run and, and nail those one-on-one matchups and fit it into tight windows. And that largely is missing this whole entire season. But there's another thing that I talked about at the, about last season. And I remember I said it a few times and I felt like, in some ways I was being the Debbie downer of our group, 
but I, I talked a, a fair amount about how they didn't play very many good teams down the stretch last year. And they played a lot of poor defenses. They were playing defenses that were ranked in the, you know, 28 and 29 and 27 and 26. And I think that matters. I think, and I, at one point I said, you have to take an unflinching look at the level of competition that you're beating, because if you don't, then you are going to make decisions about the future of your, with, of your personnel and your football team based on thinking like you're overrating yourself. Hmm. And then you're not going to fix some things that need to be fixed. You're going to be lulled into a false sense of security, thinking that you're pretty damn good when you have some, some problems that are going to rear their ugly heads unless you really dig in and take a look. And they ran it back. I mean, they ran that whole offense back. They didn't really change anything except where they drafted Anthony Schwartz. Right. I mean, for the most part, and, and they drafted Demetri Felton, but we're not talking about. Oh, right. Right. No. Yeah. Same, same dudes. And I think that was a function of feeling, you know, feeling it last year, but feeling it against teams that, uh, you know, that were not as good as some of the teams that they're playing this year. And I think that has a lot to do with it too. Let's do quickly a case Keenum question. This is from Larry Wilkins in Venice, Florida. Hey, Mary Kay. 68 years of Browns fan. Please explain to me how the coaches can see a banged up, hobbled, mentally bruised, way off his game, Baker Mayfield, and think that he is a better risk than a healthy Case Keenum. Isn't Coach Ski risking his promising career by hitching his wagon to the Sooner who lost his boom? Larry Wilkins, that's how you get on the podcast. You spin, <laughs> you spin the phrases like that. Why not Case, Mary Kay? You know, it's a good question. It is a good question. And I asked that follow-up of Kevin Stefanski today. I, you know, I, I, I did say, you know, why, what, and he basically said the same thing over again. And it's not really a satisfactory answer, but he just said Baker's getting healthier and we think he's going to play better. Well, they've been saying that for a few weeks and so far it hasn't happened, but maybe they think once they get on the other side of the bye. And they have a chance to dig into some things and throw some things out and have some heart to heart talks and let everybody heal up that they can come back together, get some Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt going. I mean, really, Kareem didn't have a huge impact on the game yesterday. We thought he was going to have a really big impact, uh, but we probably overestimated what he was going to be able to do in his first game back. I think plenty of Kareem will help a lot going forward. Don't know if he can be the savior, but he'll help. More of him will help. More of him will help Baker a lot. I, I just don't think they're ready to say we're done with Baker Mayfield. And if you bench him now with the season on the line, you're kind of saying we're done with Baker Mayfield. And that's a big decision to make. I do think it may be more valuable for the franchise to gather more data on Baker Mayfield than squeeze into the seven playoff seed and lose your first round playoff game because Case Keenum can go out and go 16 of 25 for 198 yards and you 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 know lean on the defense and barely get in and but but then you've either boxed yourself in that Baker's done or you're trying to figure out well is he not done well I still but and you didn't have these games to evaluate it so I, I think it's like what's the goal is the goal playoffs at all cost or is the goal win a Super Bowl in Cleveland and if the goal is win a Super Bowl in Cleveland, 
I think playing Baker Mayfield, no matter what, in the pursuit of figuring out who your franchise quarterback is, might be more valuable than anything that Case Keenum could do. Because listen, Case Keenum's not taking the Super Bowl this year. I mean, I know it's a nutty year. Like, that's not happening. So I think it's an interesting discussion. Two more future questions about Baker Mayfield. From the 330, hey, Mary Kay, it's Jim and Boardman. Do you foresee any other teams being willing to pony up $35 million plus a year for Baker in a long-term deal if he would hit the market? Well, first of all, let's say, for instance, the two sides get together and they just say, let's say this is not working and we would both be better off without each other. What they would have to do in that instance uh, is they, I mean, they could figure some things out creatively, but that, you know, the discussion would probably start with trade Baker Mayfield and let somebody else pick up his, you know, pay the fifth year option, the $18.858 million that he's owed next year. That's not a huge sum of money for a starting quarterback. So if somebody really likes him and there are coaches out there that really do like him a lot, um, or at least did really like him a lot. I don't know if they feel the exact same way now, uh, but you know, you might be able to find somebody that really believes in him and sees something in him and would be willing to take on that one year. You don't necessarily have to pay him the $35 million. You can take a chance and rent him for that amount of money for one year to see if he fits in your system. And if he can possibly evolve into being your guy and if you're still not ready to commit to him after that, then you can franchise him and then you can franchise him again without making this enormous financial commitment uh, and a huge signing bonus and all of that. So a team could take a chance. It's conceivable this could happen like this. And, uh, and you know, and you can do it without that. And if he all of a sudden is, is the guy and, and he lights it up wherever he goes, then by all means, give him $35 million a year. But right now I don't see that happening here. The Colts are taking a $25 million cap hit on Carson Wentz this year. Mm -hmm. And then he's making like 22 million a year after that, but they can get off him for no guaranteed money, no cap hit after this year. So it's a one year risk. And if it works, then they can keep rolling. If it doesn't work, they can punt. But, you know, Carson Wentz was awful, awful, awful last year in Philadelphia. And the Colts are like, ah, we don't got it. We have nothing else to try. So there are enough teams, you know, Carolina or, I don't even know. Name a team with a worst quarterback situation. There's at least three or four Houston, right? I mean, there's a couple teams that say, all right, well, we'll try it. So I think that's a good answer that it's not, oh, we'll give them 35 and invest long-term, but maybe right. somebody would try it if the Browns think like it's not working here. Last question. This is Brown specific about Baker Mayfield from the 216, Eric in Middletown. Hey, Mary Kay, do you think the Browns will draft a quarterback in an early round? in the 2022 NFL draft? It's a good question. And I think the answer will come over the next five weeks. If, if Baker Mayfield continues to have some really bad games like he's had this season, they have to look at drafting a quarterback at some point, probably fairly high. And they have to look at, at finding their bridge quarterback or whatever they decide they're going to do. Because I don't think anybody wants to feel like this again next season and if unless everybody can feel hopeful about this nobody wants to come back and do this again not baker not the browns so he would have to show in these next five weeks that there's some reason to think that next year 
he can take this team to the playoffs and go deep into the playoffs to, to revisit this and come back together next year. From an emotional standpoint, I don't know how realistic it is, but I think actually kind of what like Philadelphia did with Jalen Hurts wound up making a lot of sense. It's like, listen, we're going to draft the second round quarterback behind you. Go be the guy. If you're the guy, it's all good. Go be the guy. And if you're not the guy, well, then we'll at least we can play somebody if we bench you. And then we have the next plan in place. So I, I on some level, I think if you take a quarterback in the second round next year, like you're kind of ending it anyway, right. because now Baker's looking over his shoulder. But I would you agree, Mary Kay, that they cannot come back next year? I, I almost don't care if Baker throws four touchdowns a game for the last five games of the regular season, right. that they cannot come back next year with, Baker Mayfield and no other real option on the roster. Cause it turns out that case Keenum is a nice guy in the room. He's a nice guy to come in the game. If your quarterback gets hurt in the third quarter, but he is not actually like a month long solution for a good team. I don't think they can run it back this way. They've got to get somebody else in the room that they think could start. Maybe it's Jameis Winston or something, right? I don't know that there has a little upside to him. I think that's a must for next year, even if it makes Baker uncomfortable. Yeah, yes. I think that they have to do that. I definitely think they have to do that. They have to have somebody on board that they think can uh, take them to the promised land. Or you're going to lose your whole team. You're going to lose your defense. You don't think you're already losing your defense right now? I mean, think about that. You go out there and, I mean, you consistently hold teams to 15 points and 16 points and you pick off Lamar Jackson four times and you're not winning that football game. You know, you hold the Steelers to 15 points and you're not winning that football game, right? You're, these two enormous division games, you're not winning them. So, yeah, you can't you can't put a talented defense through that. You can't go out and, and sign all these, you know, JJ threes and, you know, Jadavian clownies and draft the JOKs and the Greg Newsom's and invest all that in the defense and then just let the offense flounder over there. It's not going to fly. It's already bubbling under the surface in my opinion. And there's always somebody floating around Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold sucked in Carolina, but like there's always somebody that's a step up from case Keenum that you can think you can you can imagine winning with, but that you don't necessarily have to hand the job to. That I think there's a world where you keep Baker, give it one more shot, but you have you have the alternate holstered and ready to roll. So but you can't you can't be back in this situation. Okay, we got two weeks of uh podcasts to talk more about this stuff. You want to be a Browns insider, you want to communicate directly with one of the best. NFL writers in the country, you sign up, you go to cleveland.com slash Browns, you, you click the banner, you sign up for Browns Insider, and what a delicious perk this is to get to ask questions of Mary Kay Cabot. I wish we could get to every single question that was asked, but I thought we got so many good questions. We had to, to find ones that represented what's going on with the Browns, and then we'll keep talking about them the rest of this week. So read cleveland.com, listen to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. For now, Mary Kay, thank you as always. Always enjoy it. And we will catch you guys next time on Hey, Mary Kay.